Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. This is Podcast 118. Welcome along. I'm Dan Moylan. With me, Michael Normanton. Hello. And Daniel Chapman, our writer, Moscow White. Hello there. Spygate is hot off the press. Well, it was at the time of recording anyway. The announcement's just been made, so we'll get on to all that in a bit. Bolton later, former player sightings, and of course, plenty of mudslinging in the heroes and villains section. Quick word on issue seven of our fanzine, which came out this last week against Swansea. If you'd like to read that, you can get yourself a digital magazine subscription from our website. You can read that plus everything all the way back to 2009, and it works out at a quid a month. Fantastic cover, a mosaic cover, which you can see and read at the squareball.net. Well, this one feels like a lifetime ago. Swansea victory, lads. Very, very good game. A fantastic, complete performance, nearly from start to finish, but not quite. I never got too stressed about the last few minutes. I was quite surprised watching sort of people around me losing their minds and then seeing afterwards all the outpouring on Twitter of people saying they never wanted to go through anything like that again. I'd enjoyed the previous 85 minutes of football so much, and that was so unusual to happen at Elland Road that I kind of... It was like being on drugs. Nothing could get me out of the state of mind where I was determined to have a happy time. And whatever Bill Ayling did, whatever Ollie McBurney tried, didn't care. It was I was in a blissed out zone. I was not. I was very stressed. And it just felt, it felt to me like they were going to get something from it because it would have been so unjust. And it just felt like that's the way things are going with us at the moment. We're getting things, bad things are happening to good people. <laughs> And when the penalty decision was given on the back of the Bamford penalty not being given, mm. it just felt like it was going to be one of those games where you look back and thinking we should have been, was it a 2-0, the Bamford penalty? I think so. To be fair, I, I didn't really have a good view of the Bamford penalty, so I, I didn't have the anger within me. I didn't really see what had happened until later. So I had actually, I had it in mind that Bamford was moaning about nothing and I mentally caught, was calling him uh, the English Alioski because um, I'd noticed he was having he was having a right old moan um, at a lot of things. I imagine it's very different listening to him. They say, excuse me, referee. This is absolute outrage. The, the manhandling I am being subjected to by these oafs. It's like rugger back at school. <laughs> I'm sure his family were probably quite pleased in a way. They'd probably rather he played rugby union, wouldn't they? Gentleman's game. But that helps me not be angry about uh, what was going on at the end. Yeah, it was one of those things that I saw it happen at the time, but it was almost so surreal, you thought, as he made a meal of it. But then you see it and he's very clearly like heaved into the air and body slammed. Yeah, once that had gone on, I just I just kind of had written it off that we were going to draw this game. But for bad things to happen to good people, no, that would mean good things would have to happen to bad people. And that's exactly right. I was going to say that Ollie McBurney and Matt Grimes, nothing good really is going to come come their way. I think that's that helped with me... Uh, being relaxed because the only tactics Swansea really had was Matt Grimes gets fouled. It's like, oh, well, this free kick's in a dangerous position. And then Matt Grimes gets up and he's going to take it himself. And I was like, ah, carry on. He did hit the post at one point. Ah, fluke. Rewinding one podcast ago, Moscow, you said we would do these lot 2-0 and it would be no drama. And it nearly, you were so close, you were. It was 2-1 and a lot of drama in the end. But I come back to uh, those opening 85 minutes, which were just as much enjoyment as I've had from watching Leeds United play for a long time, even taking into account the Stoke game at the start of the season, because that was such a a surprise. The Derby game where we beat them 4-1 straight afterwards was kind of, again, it was like, oh, we we can do this twice. Beating Derby the other week was so much anger and vitriol involved that it was like really proving a point. This one was just kind of like a deep bath of pleasure just 
oh, Calvin Phillips is playing like Perlo all game. Alioski's going to cross right onto uh, Jack Harrison's head, like pinpoint. And it's just going to keep going well. Everything about this performance is wonderful. Possibly the context of the pressure, maybe, because it felt like a must need to win. But there was a lot of joy. It felt like a very joyful game. That's maybe what we're trying to get out. Like Janssen scoring on his birthday as well. And Janssen really bullying Daniel James as well. The finer moments was when uh, Pablo Hernandez kept just brushing him off. Daniel James tried to tackle him at one point and just fell off him like a little puppy. And then Pablo got the ball again and just skipped around him, just like backheeled away from that. Nah, don't touch me. I know that we've seen at the weekend the highlights that Daniel James goal where he sprinted away from, was it Barnett's defenders or Brentford's? Both the same, I think. Looking like Mbappe. That's fine, but he couldn't do it against Leeds, which I think before anybody gets carried away with, oh, he'll be worth 30 million now. Couldn't do it against Leeds. Couldn't or wouldn't? Uh, I think he was trying. There was one point as well when Luke Ayling was following up the pitch while the crowd was singing, you're Leeds and you know you are. And he was definitely (laughs) in his ear. You should have been here, shouldn't you? It's it's a bit more squeaky than that, isn't it? That was a bit threatening. You should have been here. (laughs) What did you make of young Danny Hammes then, Michael? It's very quick, isn't he? Very, very bouncy as well. He went, went over a few challenges and went about six feet in the air. I think it's just the speed he's going at, maybe. Or a diving diving bastard. Yeah, he's an absolute cheat. Yeah, he's a cheat. We need to get all this in before we sign him. A little scrote. Yeah, I did. I must admit, it, it, there was some slight pangs of regret seeing him there. I did think he he looks kind of useful, and then he, he kind of backed it up on the weekend with the um that goal where he ran faster than any man has ever run. That sort of pace would be useful in any team. I think is that a bit sensible world of soccer where you just buy the fastest players and then you just win? It's kind of worked for a lot of teams having fast players. I know we've never really experimented with it. Mo Barrow, pacey, <laughs> Jimmy Kebe. Mm, never really showed his pace, did he? Mm. You think about that side, you know, that Luke Varney was in. Have we ever had a slower team than that sort of era of players? Tong, Varney, Green. Brown. Brown. I mean, Varney used to play on the left wing. Play. I mean, it's generous. <laughs> Stand, tripping over his own laces. I noticed you tweeting the uh, the gif of him tripping over his own laces, mm. uh, trying to receive a pass from Cameron Stewart. I made that gif and I was very pleased to see you bringing it back from wherever you found it. It's because it's like, Luke Varney had won a £20 Nando's voucher mm. for being player of the week. And he's, he's um, sticking with the hair as well. He's gone full steam McLaren now. There's a very distinct island at the front. Which level is he playing at now? Which tier? The tier where you get a £20 Nando's voucher. Where they reward you with chicken. <laughs> What do you think of McBurney talking to Scroats? He was uh, giving it the big end. I'm, I'm glad he's not living on the streets anymore. That was good. From the, from the game earlier in the season, I remember him looking particularly uh, straggly. Hobo chic. Yeah. Didn't recognise him, really. Uh, what is his problem with us, exactly? When did we, I was thinking, when did we fall out with him? Well, I think it goes back to the fact that he was, was he released as a kid? He's from this neck of the woods and we were going to go back in and sign him. Weren't we? we were stiffing around him under Heckingbottom and I think, but that hmm. obviously got kiboshed when Heckingbottom got kiboshed. So was it all like he's really angry that we sacked Heckingbottom? Because I don't remember there being a big thing about, oh, we were going to sign him and now we're not on him coming out in the press saying, my Leeds United shame. I can't believe they've turned their back on me again. And I know he he made some comments about uh, Daniel James saying, I'll keep him here at, at Swansea. I'll tie myself to him or lock him up in my house. But all that was kind of tongue in cheek. But suddenly mm-hmm. we were booing him. I don't know where the collective decision was made to boo him. And then he only was scoring his his penalty and was telling the South Stand to keep quiet, which is a bold move when you're still losing 2-1. Did you see that young Swansea fan who said he was delighted that Daniel James had decided to stay? (laughs) Very optimistic. (laughs) Yeah, bless him. Well, we'll see how that one pans out in future, eh, young Daniel Hammers. Maybe we'll get him, maybe we won't. Either way, we'll be all right. We could probably just convert Calvin Phillips to play on the wing. The only thing he's uh, missing in his game is pace and since he's added everything to his game this season that we all thought was missing there's no reason why that he can't be a a speedy left winger he didn't need pace in this game there were a few times when wingers ran at him and he just sort of stepped in front of him and went you can fuck off this is mine (laughs) there there were two moments when I I knew he was playing at his absolute I think it's probably the best game he's had for Leeds Mm. ever and it looked effortless as well that was nice I was going to say all our shallow insincerity aside he really was top class and one of the ways I could tell it was um, he barged somebody off the ball old fashioned shoulder barge and the referee was like fair challenge which is great because that doesn't happen often enough and another one was he was shaping up to pass out to the wing and there was a defender in the way and he passed it 
just like an inch off the toe of that player. But that confidence in his passing and that the strength in his barging and just the way he was blocking everything, passing to everybody, he was imperious is the, is the, the cliche of choice, but it doesn't get used often enough about Leeds United players. So we can use it egregiously about Calvin Phillips. <laughs> we should just insert a little caveat here that that is not a word, is it? And you've been picked up for using it previously on the podcast and e- been corrected by the internet, as is as you absolutely Egregious is a word. Egregious is a word. Egregiously is not a word. I was right this time. It's probably not the right word for this situation, though, but I don't care as long as I'm using a right word then get people off my back. I think what we've seen there is just uh, a demonstration of how closely I'm listening to what you're saying. <laughs> he can be got at, can Moscow. That's what he's learned from this. He's, he's yeah. lashing out. He's like McBurney, shushing. There, there are people replacing Adam Forshaw in their drinking games with me saying agrarious. But I want to make it my mission to make them pissed. <laughs> drink up, my friends, drink up. Speaking of Forshaw, he's got shot of his Moscow tribute beard. Your uh, Yours is going to have to go now. No, I keep mine. It's just he's stopping jacking my swag, which he's been doing for t- far too long. I wonder if that's less of a reaction to anything that I do, because really I ain't nobody. And more this is his desperate attempt to get back in the team beyond Calvin Phillips, like a reverse Samson. He's got nothing left to do. He's seen Calvin Phillips basically transforming into Perlo and his uh, his short-lived experiment looking like Abel Xavier needed to come to a close. Back on message then, and um, you talk about Phillips and you can draw an interesting contrast with what happened in the first game against Swansea when he was hooked after 20 minutes from that deep line midfield position and he's become irreplaceable now almost in that position. Replaced with Lewis Baker in that game. No one deserves that. No one. Particularly not not this Prince. Have you seen the Reading fans that have already turned on him? <laughs> Asking what, not that he's bad. Not that he's good, just what's the point of him? It's a fair question. We always wondered. We always thought maybe he's waiting to get established, but I think he's played more or less every game for Reading since he's been there. Still can't do anything. Surely I think they've got worse. He should be fitting right in, though. I mean, Reading is just a team of players who are just like, meh. I think next season, once he's got his fitness back, if they sign Lewis Baker permanently, we can also give them Union O'Kane and they can just have like the most anonymous, very Reading midfield anywhere. Luke Murphy on the perfectly. bench. Yeah, always. Just he'll get really, when Bolton go down, they'll release him. They'll pick him up. Back to our lot then, and a quick word on Bill Ayling, which I love where that nickname's come from, just that everybody got, was it, everybody got called Bill at Arsenal's youth team, it just stuck with him. Okay, I've always, I've often wondered where it came from, and it's because there's no logical explanation. Did that come from the video of him saying it himself? Yeah. The video that was published on April Fool's Day? Ah. I'm not sure about the since it may not have been April Fool's Day when he recorded it, he may not have been thinking in four dimensions about uh, playing this elaborate prank. But I'm just saying that the the truth may still yet be out there about why he is called Bill. Mm. The bigger truth is why Marcelo Bielsa has gone so vehemently for calling him Bill when his name is actually Luke. I was thinking of a comparison. It'd be like if he, if Nigel Martin was still playing and he was calling him Village, because that was his nickname, Village Idiot. It's like, uh, yes, and the the team for Saturday will be in goal, Village. <laughs> Two, Bill. Three, the snail will be playing left back or whatever, whatever Ian Hart got called. Bill Ayling was good, though, in this game, right up until when he just did that slightly tired challenge. It was good to see him back on form after taking a, a few pelters. It was. His pass to Alioski for the second goal was a, a visionary thing of wonder and precision. His tackle for this penalty was uh, fucking stupid. And uh, mm-hmm. although I was in my Zen state of happiness, part of me was objecting to being disturbed out of that and wanting to maybe throttle him with his own ponytail if I could have got close enough. It was one of those that from the cop, it looked like an obvious penalty. But I mean, seeing it back, I think it's it's one of those where the attacker does run into him on purpose. I think it should have been a free kick to Ailing. <laughs> he's, running away, but he's running away from goal with mm. the ball. And then Ailing sticks a foot out and then he runs back towards goal without the ball so he can run into Ailing. I know it's the sort of thing players do and it's if it happens for your team, you say it's a clever bit of play. Mm. But I think it's cheating and I want him banned. I think the simplest thing for Ailing to do then would just have been nothing. Oh, there was nothing. There was, he was running away from goal and there were like three defenders around him. It was just, yeah. There was no need whatsoever. As parents scream at children on a Sunday morning, stand him up, stand him up. Well, it's funny, isn't it? We've had this great performance and it took us back to the top of the league, but we're no longer top of the league because we had to sit it out on Saturday, which was a bit weird. And obviously everybody won heavily. Yeah, I noticed this. Um, QPR, our game got moved because they were in the cup. They didn't even play on Saturday. They played the cup on Friday night. So why couldn't we have just played the league fixture on Saturday? 
I mean, you have made this joke on two consecutive podcasts now, so... I mean. No, last time was from a position of not knowing that they were playing on, right. on Friday. Now, it's happened, I saw it, and I'm aware of it. So I'm bringing it back with with the the level of truth, ballast of truth. And um, it was a different joke last time. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I'm glad. It's the least you deserve. So we're third now. Do you feel all right about being third? Um, we've got the dreaded game in hand. I don't feel all right about the way that these fucking teams... I didn't expect favours off of Reading or Norwich or Aston Villa, but like getting to 10 minutes without conceding a goal, getting to 20 minutes in Reading's case without conceding a goal, one in the first minute and then the second one to Gary fucking Medine, who I believe we, uh, well, I certainly chastised that signing on this podcast as a classic waste of a January transfer window, which again, although he scored two in this game, uh, they were already one nil up, so they're not vital goals. They're not. They're not, not match <laughs> they don't count, signing. Basically. No, they don't count. But by half time on Saturday, it was three nil in both the Bolton, Norwich, and then the Sheffield United Reading games. That's not fucking good enough. Try you twats. Bolton will have no problem trying when they come to Welland Road on Saturday. So why they couldn't try when Norwich come to their place? They are going down though. Well, yeah, but with a try putting a fight up. I thought I expected more of Villa, I have to say. Local but, derby at home. They've got a good team. But they're not that good, are they? They're bad. They're a bad team. <sighs> yeah. I've sort of got it in my head that they've still got Dwight York. I live very much in the past. I think that's the other thing with the uh, the Sheffield United result, because I think this was their first game after they had that complete breakdown against Aston Villa mm. when they were all arguing on the pitch. So I really didn't need them to have a confidence-boosting 4-0 walkover against Lewis Baker's Reading. It just feels unfair <laughs> and absolutely typical. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm still confident that we're going to go up, but equally I woke up this morning feeling anxious and I realised it's because of Leeds United. Starting to just feel a general anxiety now, just in day-to-day life. Is that game in hand Against QPR, is that how it's going to work out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not a good game to have. Loftus Road away, that takes me back to, we lost there in the championship season, 1992, towards the end of it. I think it might have been 4-1. Strachan got sent off from memory. And that's my most recent Loftus Road. Oh, oh apart from uh, the famous Neil Kilkenny, a boo-boo-boo-boo-boo game with uh, What's-His-Face that basically got Neil Warnock promoted at QPR while he did nothing. What was he called? Uh, Adel Tarabt. Exactly. Yeah. The Warnock's book about that is basically him. I had uh, uh, Keith Curl in, in, in my office wanted to absolutely throttle him. And I just had to say, look, I know you and all the other lads hate him, but no, I'd just let him do what he wants. But he's a talented kid. So as long as I stop them from killing him and uh, we, we got promoted and then I was, and then he says all this and then claims he got robbed for uh, not winning manager of the year because Kevin Blackwell voted for David Moyes and he was furious. I don't know what that's got to do with Leeds. <laughs> it's good to have some bitterness about Warnock. Oh, we've always got to throw it in. He's in a bit of bother at the moment, is Warnock. It's quite nice. He's, he's on the ropes a bit, isn't he, over this whole um, Mackay-Salah transfer thing. It's quite he's nice. He's taking it well, though, as long as he's not putting uh, stories out in the press, turning everything into being about him and his woes, when there's people involved in this who have considerably more difficult circumstances to deal with as a result of everything that's gone on. But no, let's make sure it's all about Neil. I think what we've done here is we have uh, digressed to mask our own fears. Yeah, it's a distraction therapy or diversion therapy where you just need to displace all your feelings onto something else to avoid thinking about the subject in hand. So don't want to necessarily think about losing 4-1 at Loftus Road in our crucial game in hand. Much rather just think about what a miserable time Neil Warnock's having and continues to have. Well, this one looked like a classic love story and it went up in flames last time. We uh, we sent Marcelo and Salim some of our Leeds Carajo mugs, which means Leeds fuck, which you can buy mm-hmm. at the squareball.net. And Salim, as you know, got in touch, said thank you. We struck up that beautiful friendship. Best friends, Michael, you said. And then he shunned us for um, for a week or so, didn't he? Didn't didn't reply to any messages, didn't return our calls. But then he's he's trying to worm his way back in, isn't he? he retweeted one of your videos uh, this week, Moscow. So. Not the video of you um, taking apart Bailey Peacock Farrell when he was touted as being a replacement for Felix Vidavald, was it? Um, Towards the back end of not this last season. I'm just going to say, Salim Lamrani instantly gave Kiko the cat Kasia a nickname. I never saw him giving one to Bailey Peacock Farrell, so perhaps he would find. But it was not that video. It was a video of. Uh, of Marcelo and Salim laughing together during the last press conference. And yes, he, he retweets. I think the, uh, 
the relationship, the friendship may have, may have worked from we are best friends with him to I am Fuck best off. friends with him, which I'm absolutely, I'm perfectly content with that. If Salim has decided, has looked at us and gone, that's the guy, that's the guy I want to be friends with. He's the one I could see myself arm wrestling after a few uh, Roman Cokes down there. Is like the, Ronnie would take your arm clean off. And he'd be welcome to. And use it as he saw fit. He could maybe use it as like a really uh, complicated way of drinking out of his Lee's Carajo mug. He could use my arm as a substitute arm for his own, just like a, like a lever. I would be content with that. I would sit and watch as I cauterized my wound. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's only one thing for it now though, Michael. We need to restore the balance here and drag Salim away from Moscow White. And that is to shower him with more ostentatious gifts, such as hoodies and t-shirts that come in multiple colours and sizes, all of which can be bought at the squareball.net. Good idea. Still to come, Spygate, Trotters and all that. First of all, we'll find out who's been cited. A thing we kicked off a couple of podcasts ago when Moscow, you spotted Paul Butler in Costa Coffee in Knotsford in Cheshire. And these sightings have been flooding in of past players, some of them absolutely remarkable. Not that remarkable. It's Paul Butler again. In Costa again. Yeah, in uh, the Northwest again. Thank you, Rob Prince, anyway, for telling us this. I do like that Rob has the uh, all the metadata. It was the Trafford Centre, May 17th, 2018. There was a picture accompanying this, wasn't there? I saw it on um, on Twitter. It was sort of blurry, slightly, um, slightly pervy, I'd say. Taken through like a crack in a door. I couldn't bring myself to take a picture of Butler when I saw him. I just sat there aghast. Don't give him the satisfaction, do you? You might think he's someone if you took a picture of him. A serial offender then, you might say, for his uh, hanging out at Costa. Mind you, you've got to tread carefully, given that Marcelo really, really likes Costa coffee. But the Weatherby were miles nicer than any you're going to find in the sort of northwest, isn't it? It was uh, the Weatherby Costa where um, Noel Hunt crouched outside to use their free Wi-Fi when he was first moved to Leeds. Wasn't he when he, he put that photograph on Twitter famously? It's gone up in the world, that's all I'll say. And who have you got, Michael? Uh, James Hull saw uh, Tony Eboa at Showcase in Burstall. A young lad asked him if he was actually Tony Eboa, um, and he said, no, I'm his brother. Which does remind me slightly of um, when we interviewed him for the magazine, there was some talk online of there being a Tony Eboa in some bar in, uh, in the Canary Tenerife. Islands or somewhere, yes, I think. Yes, it was Tenerife Tony. Tenerife Tony was like the guy who said, no, no, it's definitely him. He looks exactly like him. And then we kind of got concerned we'd interviewed a fake Eboa. But then a picture of Tenerife Tony surfaced and it was just a random man. Just looked nothing like Tony, but probably not even the same age. And I think it had been going on for quite some time that this guy had been going into that bar just like, yeah. talking about the old times Te- at least. Telling everyone he was Tony Eboa. I bloody hate that, George Graham. And no one thought to go, you'd look nothing like Tony Eboa, which would have been my first thought really having seen him. But the guy who was reporting it was like, no, he does look exactly like him. For anybody who's not familiar, by the way, Showcase in Burstall, it's a cinema just outside Leeds. I did ask James on Twitter... What was it that Tony Yeboa uh, might have been seeing? And he doesn't know, but it was the mid-90s, so... I'm going to go Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Crap comedy sort of thing, yeah, yeah. But the interesting point here is that he was with a uh, a group of flamboyantly shirted Ghanaian types, which I really, really <laughs> like. You can see it now, can't you? Tony Yeboa swanning through there, getting popcorn for everyone. It was a, a black and white checked suit that he turned mm. up for when, he's, uh, when he signed, wasn't he? Posing under a big umbrella with Howard Wilkinson. Vaguely remember a leather jacket as well. I'm sure he would have had one at one point and then, uh, and then no shirt at all at, at his, uh, his last mm. appearance when he ripped it off and threw it at George Graham to reveal his rippling pot belly. And final one for now, I'm going to pose this one to you as a quiz. Some details coming. Which Leeds player was this? One player, Neil in Scarborough, Roger Frames on Twitter, thank you. About 10 years ago, spotted what he described as a right old pair walking down Eastborough in Scarborough, going into all like, the rock and the ice cream shops wearing matching anoraks in the rain. Who could that have been? East Coast, I think, batty, but did, isn't his, is his caravan at Filey? Has he had a bit of a... He's ventured out there. He has. He's gone He's gone off piste there. On the bike. He's yeah. gone out. But this says he was he was going to the ice cream shops and things, as well, which I, I imagine batty would take a pack up. We weren't paying those prices down on the front. <laughs> I think you're mistaking him for yourself. But yeah, David Batty and his wife in matching anoraks in the rain. It's beautiful. That's what true love is, isn't it? Well, the news on this only dropped a couple of hours ago. Spygate, £200,000 fine, no points, packed up and wrapped in a neat little bow and sorted and pushed off to one side forevermore. £200,000 fine seems like a lot of money, given that what Leeds United spokesperson says, we accept that whilst we have not broken any specific rule, we have fallen short of the standard expected by the EFL. I think it's dripping in sarcasm, this statement. 
Yes, I mean it does and, go and on. And the apology, the apology is sort of a, I'm sorry you're upset about this. We apologise for acting in a way that has been judged culturally <laughs> unacceptable in the English game, uh, but it's totally not. They don't write that. I'm um, sorry you've chosen to be a prick about this, yes. is what we've said. We would like to thank Sean Harvey and the EFL for the manner in which they conducted their investigations live on TalkSport for weeks. Our focus can now return to matters on the field. I mean, it has immediately been pointed out, people saying variously around uh, the World Game, fines fines for racism, fines for violence, uh, fines for incidents involving players and sports, 20 grand fine, maybe 15 grand fine, whatever, £200,000 for falling short of the standard expected by the EFL. Uh, do Blackpool, have they been living up to the standard expected by the EFL? Charlton Athletic, is that a club being run to the standard expected by the EFL? The racist chanting at Millwall in the FA Cup game, is that a standard that the EFL expects? If not... That was done in good faith, that racist chanting. <laughs> okay, well, that's fine then. But yeah, 200, 200 grand. I mean, you can even look at their own fucking... How much are they going to fine Sean Harvey for falling below the standard short of the standard expected by the EFL. It's been falling short of that standard since 2013, as far as I'm concerned, even as far as they're concerned, considering the fucking kicked him out. It's a lot of money just to make it go away, but at least it does mean that it's fucking going away. I think that's part and parcel of it, is that it's all been quietly done behind closed doors. Because if you notice the statement that's been put out as a joint statement, makes me think they've been sat there in, in back rooms, lawyers gone, we'll do this, we'll take this, we'll pay that. You make it go away. But it's still a big load of money. It's two live Sky games in this division. Yeah, but when we're in the Premier League next year, we'll laugh at that because you get loads more. Yeah, but you're assuming that our promotion charge isn't still going to be about to be sabotaged just because they can't do us on this. They'll find another way. And again, going back to what we have actually done or not done, we've fallen short of a standard. And as part of the... uh, the finding we have agreed to support a new EFL regulation that makes it clear the clubs will be expressly prohibited from viewing opposition training in the 72 hours immediately prior to a fixed year unless invited to do so. So what makes it all right 73 hours before a fixed year? If watching spying on training is wrong, is culturally unacceptable in the English game, full stop, what difference does this 72-hour window make? It's not like they only practice free kicks like the hour before the and, game, and I is it? very much hope we're there for that hour before. Um, well, <laughs> Just to make a point. Peering through the fence four in da- full, full, full kit. <laughs> four days before. Full training kit, stood at the fence <laughs> on a big scissor lift. <laughs> looking over the top with a little table and a flask. Put a blindfold on when 72 hours comes around. <laughs> Can't see you. I've just done the math. 72 hours a week that we're not allowed to watch training. That means 96 hours a week when we are. So we should just be there, camped out all 96 hours, every single week, every single ground. I don't care how many interns that takes. I don't care <laughs> if they never have to sleep. Rules are rules. And we'll abide. We will uh, meet the standards expected by the EFL by watching training for 96 hours a week. Bastards. <laughs> we didn't do anything wrong. If Frank Lampard wasn't a little crybaby media darling, nothing would have come of this. I'm just glad it's it's sort of over. You have to feel that if we were doing badly, we wouldn't have had as big a fine, which is weird. If Ipswich had been caught doing this, people would go, yeah, but they're still shit, aren't they? they just make a just joke let them of it. off. It would just be one of those funny, oh, oh, ha, ha, isn't banter great? Things which there's been plenty of examples of this coming. I was reading a an interview with um, it was a coach at uh, Cork City, and she talked about being mistaken because she's a, a female coach. Shows people are often surprised that Cork have a, a female first team coach and think she's a, a masseur or somebody. And so a, a sexist manager of this club they were going to be playing in Europe said, "Oh, of course, darling, you can just uh, you just sit there watching. I'll get you a cup of coffee if you want." And you sat and watched them uh, practicing all their free kicks the night before a game. She hadn't even said a word. This guy was just schmoozing her up, and that's just oh, isn't it? Isn't that funny? But really, these tactics wrong in your tiny female brain. <laughs> She'd conned her way into I'll sit, the state. I'll sit with you and explain some more what's happening. Do you want me to tell you what's going on, love? It's, it's <laughs> mansplaining it away like a dick. And then, But then the upshot of it is split that around, is that she had uh, conned her way into their private training session the night before a vital European tie. <laughs> Where's her fine, duplicitous little snake? <laughs> <laughs> 
Kick her out of football. Exactly. Well, I mean, where does it stop? We're going to have this rule in the AFL, EFL. Does it apply to the Premier League as well? Is it all right when we get promoted next year? We can just do what we want if we can breach the security. I suppose most of the Premier League training grounds are like Fort Knox trying to get in theirs. It's just media led. And I think that's what's annoying is there's not a rule. The standards in the AFL are a fucking disgrace anyway. 200 grand is way, way too much money compared to everything else. Um, unless this brings about the reform where serious things that happen in football now actually do get dealt with, we take this as a baseline. That is absolutely like, not going to be a baseline. No. It's no. a one-off, knee-jerk, make it up as you go along. Um, a fine tribute to uh, Sean Harvey's years in charge of the uh, English Football League. It's I one of the biggest find. fines I can remember for a one-off incident. I think the only thing I can remember that was comparable was like when Nicholas Bentner showed his uh, showed a a Paddy Power logo on his boxer shorts in a World Cup and that received like a, a much bigger fine than racist chanting and things as well. Basically, football is run in a very bad way. I think we can all agree. But change is coming. Well. We'll get on to Harvey shortly. First of all, I want to just touch on this. Uh, season ticket prices have been frozen again for the eighth year on the bounce. Agree with that, I presume? Yeah. It's all right, isn't it? Can't expect it to be cut. It's been quite good this year. So the first time in ages it's been frozen though and you think, that seems all right. I, don't, I wouldn't mind more of the same. Yeah, the inverse of it is that we were charging way too much eight mm. years ago for absolute shit. So now we've finally risen to the point of every, we've, we've found the level where people were happy to pay these prices, which is challenging for promotion to the Premier League, not scrabbling about in 15th, having just escaped League One. Premier prices for Premier football. I suppose Ken Bates's uh, claim has come true eventually that we are going to pay his prices for Premier Football if we are promoted there next season. But he uh, hopefully won't be alive to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> I mean, on to a serious question about this. The cap on season tickets, they say they're going to cap it around 22,500. It does feel like a, a movable feast, this one, but there are issues around that. Like, for example, kids getting the first season ticket repairing, so we're already going, things like that. It is awkward because we do... I mean, there is a way that we are kind of still paying for the ignorance of the Bates, GFH, Chilino years in the the ground is a clapped out shell in many ways. Lovable, adorable, wouldn't swap it for the world, but to try and get more people in there is going to cost a lot of money. And even just keeping it nice, it's cost a lot of money. Getting the asbestos out of the West End roof was a... Always a a preferred option. Yeah, best to get it out of there if you can afford it or if you even uh, can be bothered paying for it, finding the money to do it. It probably goes back even before those people, like extending the stadium has not really been an issue since Peter Ridsdale wanted to move us to Stoughton. So, but now it's becoming a pressing issue and I don't know what else you you do really. It doesn't help that, yeah, Bates put in those um, executive boxes and when we lost about 4,000 seats in the East Stand, we could have had another 4,000 season tickets for sale that way. I've noticed the club being a little bit more proactive and conversational maybe about the ticketing things where they're certainly with the away loyalty and how general sale tickets are sold for home games. They're, they're saying, yeah, this isn't working. We're going to try something else and come up with new ways. Um, so they are at least not being ignorant and trying to find uh, solutions. And I'm wondering, I have in mind that one of the things about the 49ers buying 10% of us, they made a big deal about them having extremely sophisticated ticketing technology and uh, and us tapping into some of that expertise. If we do that this summer and actually come up with some plans for how to get around the problems that a cat presents, that would be great. I, I have a suspicion that the solution is going to be this season ticket cap and then obscenely highly priced match day tickets to make up for the money that mm-hmm. they're not charging, that they're not increasing season tickets by. Well, hey, that's the Premier League. That said, though, if it is the Premier League, you don't really need the money, do you? Because I had a quick delve into these numbers and um, Premier League, you get about somewhere between 95 and 150 million, depending on where you finish. It's not a bad racket, is it? I mean, you don't really need all that excess ticket revenue. There has begun to be that move, started with the away ticket cap in the Premier League, where the clubs have kind of acknowledged that they are swimming in gold. And so maybe they don't need to extract every last penny from the people coming through the turnstiles. I suspect Leeds United probably we have some catching up to do because even if we get that money, there's clubs in the Premier League who've been getting it a lot longer than us. So we'll still be quite poor compared to them. So shaking down the fans for a few extra coins makes sense from a trying to competitively balance ourselves up. Also, it's entirely predictable that as soon as Leeds United go back into the Premier League, uh, Sky and BT Sport will probably both go bust 
Amazon will pick up all the TV rights for perhaps a tenth of what is currently being paid. All the money will drain out of the game just as we've taken on Aaron Ramsey's wages for Juventus with absolutely no get out clauses. And, <laughs> uh, and we'll be bust within six months while the, uh, all the other clubs will have their, their reserves to, to boil them up. But what a glorious ride it'll be. And it was last time and it will be next time. Yes, I'm looking forward to our one season in the Premier League before the entire club goes bust. <laughs> what a turnaround. I mean, this point last year, I think it was kind of like end of March, Easter, I went on holiday and I had a spare ticket and I really, I literally couldn't give it away. I was offering it out to everyone I knew who was a Leeds fan and even not a Leeds fan and I think I tried to give it to some people who are vaguely new on Twitter. No one would have it. Mm. Now we're having a cap season tickets because we think we might sell too many. It is remarkable. If it comes down to that, I'm sure there'll be plenty of capacity at Hibernian. Go and see how... <laughs> Paul Heckenbottom's new lads are doing up there. We'll wish them luck. They may need it. On to matters back at Ellen Road, then this one a bit of a blow, but entirely unsurprising. You almost don't blink now, do you, when you hear that Roof's got ligament damage with his knees? Why well, hasn't happened sooner? Long overdue. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those rumours that started. It was one of those things you didn't want to believe, wasn't it, when the picture was... Was he in... Um in the light in Leeds and a brace on his leg and people going, oh, it might be an old picture. There's no, there's no obvious date on it. There's no like, he's not holding up today's newspaper or anything. Um, <laughs> like a hostage. And then there was a picture of him on, on an Instagram story and you got like an edge of the brace on a picture and it was like, oh, maybe it's, a, maybe it's the, oh, precaution. People said he does that after maybe, maybe he's been injecting heroin into his leg or something. Maybe it's something not too bad. Might have strapped a diving knife to his calf. Yeah, maybe something like that. But no, he's, he's fucked. <laughs> And it was, of course, on a weekend when we don't have a game. Mm. So that just really topped that off. Like, I could handle, yeah, I expected those three teams to go above us in the league. Well, two to go above us, but those three results to go against us. But I didn't really expect also Kimaru to do his, uh, his knee ligaments just for no apparent reason. I didn't notice it in the Swansea game. No, there's no obvious sign of it. It's a little bit like um, the Baradi injury as well. Like he looked injured. He was like, oh yeah, I can't play on. But there was no evidence of the fact that his hamstring had actually been torn away from the bone of his thighs and had to be that's Berardi, surgically reattached. Yeah, I bet he just reattached so. it with a staple gun and got on with it. You see, it's implying that Rob Price's uh, methods are less than uh, medically advanced. That This may be a contributing factor that he's just oh. attacking our players with staple guns. Maybe that's why they're getting fit again is because they're, they're running away from him and his macabre techniques. Well, Roof should be back by the end of the season, they said, but there's only about 10 or 12 weeks to go. So For the could, playoffs. Yeah, for the playoff final. Glorious return. All we have to do is keep Pat Bamford fit until Roof is fit again and then he can get injured and then it'll just be tag in, tag out until the end of the season. We're now placing a Tory in charge of our uh, promotion bid. Strong and stable. And Izzy Brown might obviously feature now as well. He doesn't seem to be getting very good reviews in the reserves is the thing that's mainly concerning me. People say he doesn't look particularly sharp or interested. He's also picking up a lot of knocks. It's always kind mm. of like, oh, is he Brown speaking to Rob Price on the sidelines because he's, he's had a kick and he's limping. Mm. It's kind of like a modern Robbie Rogers. Can't step on a football pitch without having his head knocked off or something. Unconscious within <laughs> 10 minutes of making his debut. Well, he doesn't even remember being Leeds United captain. Ah, oh, bless him. We still don't know anything about Jack Clark, do we? That's that's kind of just gone quiet. Ian Hart put out a cryptic tweet, didn't he? Was that ever established what that was? No, he was just saying great news or something, but mm. didn't know what it was about. And that was the whole uh, uh, Marcelo and Salim laughter thing where um, where Lamrani said that we hope to have him back in the first team very soon and uh, Bielsa corrected him saying, you're making me sound like some kind of punishing tyrant. Mercenary was the word, wasn't mercenary. it? Mercenary. And, uh, and uh, Lamrani then immediately swung all the other way on the road and said, no, we will give him all the time that he needs, um, which was very funny. And I made a, a highly effective tweet that Salim, my friend, enjoyed, um, but didn't actually get us any closer to an answer. On to the blasphemy baton now, then. This is something that we started uh, a few weeks ago now. Nathan Jones, Stoke boss, summoned the power of God to beat us and then Preston beat them, thus inheriting the blasphemy baton and have been unstoppable ever since because they drew with Derby, beat Bolton, beat Norwich. That was a significant that one. That was very helpful. Then drew nil-nil with Forrest at the weekend. Uh, so they currently hold the blasphemy baton going into the weekend. Before we do, some housekeeping on podcast 117. Mm. Questions you raised about the Pope's big stick. Yes. As to whether we should call it after that, whatever that might be. And we've had some helpful uh, Twitter advice. Who's this from? Uh, is it Gib Aslam? Uh, apologies if that's not right. Jib, Gib? That's why I didn't want to try and pronounce it and upset him. Either way, um, I like, I like the, the cut of his or her Jib. Uh, the big thing that the Pope holds is called the Papal Ferula. Ferula? 
I mean, it's more things we can't say. I don't yeah. know why we can't just say big stick. Well, it is ferula. Fer- fer- it's Latin for rod. I actually bothered to oh. Google this today. Rod is quite a good word. I'm all right with rod. Does this nil-nil draw between Preston and Forest mean like Forest now have a hand on the rod? No. We've long established rules. Do you know how many games um, Stoke have won since they, they beat us? None. Mm, correct. What does that make you think about uh, our place in God's world? <sighs> I th- I'd be more concerned if I was Nathan Jones. I mean, it's really, he really did nail his colours to the, to God's mast. I don't know. I didn't read much Bible at school. What happened in the Bible? Can anybody sum it up? Stoke lost. Is that what happened? Basically, yeah. There's 800 pages and then at the end, Stoke lose. Is that the Bible? Having beaten Leeds, yeah. Anyway, they travel to Millwall on Saturday. Surely they're going to carry on doing God's good work there. Well, I mean, God has no interest in Bermondsey, does he? There's nothing. It's just a dark, satanic place. Which leads us nicely on to the EFL. Sean Harvey is leaving the EFL. We've already mentioned, you know, quite a bit of this, but I don't think we're going to be sorry to see him go, particularly based on the evidence of Podcast 117, Michael, in which you called the man a slug. Yep, I like to think I've played a part in driving him out. He might have heard that and just thought, Oh, I am a slug. <laughs> I should go, shouldn't I? I should leave a horrible trail, a slow trail. That's why he's been left till the end of the season, because it's going to take him a while to slither out of the building. It was nothing to do with that Sky TV deal that they signed and all the clubs got pissed off about. Nothing to do with that, no. No, and about 20 of the clubs basically saying they want rid of this clown. I'm disappointed they've left him till the end of the season. I wanted him to leave in disgrace. I wanted it to be a clear your desk and then an email to all staff saying... Sean has left to pursue other opportunities. One of the, one of those ones where you After know being photographed was. like surreptitiously in like a sex dungeon or something mm, like that. When yeah. he's off, I mean, I must admit, when he went off, where did he go to the Carabao Cup draw? I thought that had sex scandal written all over it. Sadly, he wasn't caught in the act because one of the one of the reasons why he's remaining. Not that there was an act. Well, <laughs> no, who there, wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't an act. One of the reasons why he's remaining as CEO until after the playoffs is in order to conclude a number of outstanding matters that we are currently dealing with. And I think that's why they've kept him on is that there's a lot of shit still to sort out. And like, Sean, you're not going until all that's fucking fixed. And then you can fuck off. Unless Um, it was just Spygate. And that's why they've concluded it today. They've been like, if he's going to fucking stay, we'll just get this wrapped up today. Leeds, can you pay 200 grand and he'll piss off? If that's what it comes down to, that's absolutely fine. It is interesting reading his goodbye statement where it's all Sean Harvey's own words, really. is uh, He talks about how he's uh, proud of what he's achieved since joining the, EF, the EFL in what have not always been easy circumstances, usually uh, difficult circumstances that he created for himself, the fucking idiot. Consistently during my time, I've always looked to push boundaries to that's make the, the maximum uh, sex scandal. positive impact. <laughs> Uh, blah, 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 goes on about all the things that he's done really well. And then after bigging up his achievements, after discussions with the board, we decided the time is right for the EFL to now move in a different direction. We decided. After doing (laughs) all this... We decided, did we? All this great stuff, and the EFL's decided it wants to go in a different direction. No, they decided. Away from this great stuff. Football family. They decided together. Sean agreed. Yeah. I think, Sean, it'd be better if I went to live with this other man. (laughs) Are you agreed? Yes. And then he can tell everybody down the pub, it's like, well, we, we were going in a great direction together. And then she decided to go in a different direction, but we, we decided jointly. We decided. We decided she, it was better she lived with the Zumba instructor. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that always got me about Harvey was that, you know, when he went into the job and people were saying, hang on a minute, this guy has three administrations under his belt is that he cited his experience with administrations, two with Bradford, one with us as a reason why he was uh, fit for the job because he had a lot of experience with insolvency. And has he sorted any of those situations out in the football league whatsoever? I don't think he's helped a single club. Well, there's a lot of them struggling. I mentioned Blackpool earlier, Charlton, um, clubs up and down the land having a really difficult time. And this guy who's like, ah, no, I know all about that. I can help him. Done fuck all. Pissing about with Carabao day in, day out. That seems to be, I can't really think of Don't forget the Checker Tread Trophy. Oh, fucking hell. Introduced him. He's made that into a tournament that literally no one wants to watch. Not that they ever did, but you know, people, they used to get like, a couple of thousand fans there. Now you get about 300. You remember our Johnston's paint, which is what it was, wasn't it? Mm. Semi-final with, uh, well, Northern Area final with Carlisle. Quite an intense 
matched, something that both teams really wanted to win. Bloody hell, we've come a long way, haven't we? I still maintain, I still wish we had won it. My dream that season was win that trophy, never defend it. But then you look at the checker trade and it's just like, I don't even, I don't even know what it is. And it was the guy on um, Twitter did a very good thread. I can't remember who it was, basically pointing out that the way that half the EFL's rules, the the standards that Leeds United have just had to pay 200 grand for not rising to, are written wrong. Like the text of their rules is just bang wrong. And uh, the, the one example he gave was a checker trade trophy draw that he emailed them to say, you've just held this draw but the, the rules on your website say that this this should have happened in this really complicated group stage. So they never got back to him. They just rewrote the rules on the <laughs> website to fit what they'd just drawn. Looking Sean Harvey at four in the morning in Beijing or somewhere when he'd been dragged out of some dingy hotel bedroom <laughs> occupied by... Stop it! <laughs> dingy people. The hotel, I mean, not just his bedroom. Nobody else in his bedroom but him. Good. Um, I'm pleased. Um, and even if there was, you know... <laughs> Which there wasn't. Which there wasn't. It definitely wasn't. Could have had some friends back. But the Carabao draws as well, and, and of Harvey lately, do you remember when he started at Leeds and he had a lot more neck about him? He's slowly turning into a sort of jab of the hut creature, isn't he? Is, he, is his, his chin, like there was in the bone, not the double chins, the bony bit of his chin seems to have kind of receded over the years. His, his head's merging into his shoulders slowly. Your think, slug comparison was exceptionally accurate. Mm, I, I'm, I think maybe this is why he's been forced to step aside before the, it, before the transformation is complete. Lack of neck. They're sick of looking at him. He's, he's upsetting the people of, uh, he's not a good image to present to the world of the EFL. Well, he says that once he's concluded all the current stuff that he's dealing with, he will move on to pastures new and hopefully make a positive difference elsewhere. Chairman of the Premier League. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I love, I love the fact be... he thinks he's made a fucking positive difference anywhere. What's he ever done in his life that's been any good? Getting Rod Stewart to Ellen Road is about as much as he ever achieved. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And we slide seamlessly into this then. Heroes and villains from across the last week. Uh, we pick our villain first in the Ken Bates Villainy Award, which is an award that goes to somebody who's made us feel sad. We had a suggestion for renaming this after um, the now, well, soon to be departed um, AFL chairman, didn't we? As the, the Sean Harvey Toss Piece Trophy, which is, which is not a bad shout, really. No. I, I, f- I feel he's more current than Ken, but then we'll always have the special memories, won't we? Also, I don't like giving him stuff. I'm always, mm. even, I know we've awarded him the prize a lot. He picked up a few things on his trip to the Far East. Presumably you're just talking about souvenirs, maybe a postcard, that kind of thing. That sort of thing. Yep. Excellent. Right. Uh, who would we like to nominate for this, which is clearly remaining the Ken Bates Villainy Award, isn't it for now? Ken Bates, obviously, I think continuing to employ Sean Harvey. He found him here. It often gets forgotten. It was Richmond brought mm. Sean Harvey in from uh, his from his Bradford disaster. From his double from admin his, Bradford days. And his uh, Scarborough disaster. Is that where they first teamed up? Yes, really? Scarborough. Where um, they, they don't exist anymore. Well, not in their old form. It's worth remembering. Another fine, positive contribution from uh, Sean Harvey. But yes, yeah, so Ken Bates for basically using Sean Harvey as his front man for years. His bat boy. Would like to nominate, slightly contrav, uh, Andrea Radrizzane. Why so? For deleting all references to Leeds United from his Twitter biography and causing a very slight, mild panic. 
It was an odd move. It was a strange he, move. He, he, still, he still kept the background picture, I think. He's still got an Ellen Road picture on there. And he is still uh, the chairman and majority owner. That's probably the significant mm. thing to keep an eye on. Although if, if he may have notified the uh, AFL and they've forgotten to update something. <laughs> He's desperate to leave, but Sean Harvey won't let him. In years gone by, that would have caused a bit of a panic. It put us into a bit of a tailspin, that. In years gone by, if the chairman said he was leaving, it would have been a fucking party. <laughs> I mean, in years gone by, if Massimo Cellino had been on Twitter, can you imagine what that would have been like? It was bad enough with Terry fucking George, but with the, uh, the man himself... Oh, and Eduardo as well, when we used to get the uh, the mediated opinions of the Leeds United hierarchy through his idiot child. I mean, obviously, A-Rads ain't going to win it, but anybody else that is a genuine contender for this? We, we talked about it earlier, but Bolton and Reading, just as a whole, just for, <sighs> at least try, lads. At least get to half-time, keep it tight. Don't concede early. Shorten the game. That's what people talk about when you've got, a, when you're a weaker team, you need to shorten the game, keep it level for as long as you can, try and win it in a, a five, ten minute period. What does that mean? This, this is like Sean Dyche I mean, level of advice, only, only for some reason it doesn't sound like Sean Dyche would deliver it that way. <laughs> well, actually, I've, I've heard about it talked about in reference to Benitez before, actually. You, you basically try and just shut the game down for a bit like, I suppose, the principle of you can, anyone can win a one off game. If you take that principle even further, you've got more chance of winning if you just try and keep it nil-nil and then you try and win it in five minutes because it's a more of a random event. I was really hoping that you you brought Benitez into the conversation then as like an introduction to a new impression that you've been, you've been working on. I don't want to... We've got too many Spanish speakers at the club. I don't want to upset them. But it's true. The one bit of enjoyment we might have had on the weekend when we're not playing could have been if any of those games got quite tense and you could have been got to the end and be like, oh, you know, we might we might stay first. But half-time, it was all over. It was ridiculous. Twats. I think I tweeted at half-time that Murphy and Baker were leaving it late to turn the games around. And that, that is the level they're left with, though. They're not going to do anything, are they? Do we want to extend that to basically all these pointless clubs? Now, is that kind of a, a pre-promotion aggrandizement, like the we'll just... Yes, absolutely. We'll just nominate the entire championship as villains because we'll never play them again. Bolton and Reading have both been in the Premier League more recently than us, so... Rubbish, though, isn't it? <laughs> so, Cheating. Yeah, the, the list of teams who've been up there. Bournemouth. I didn't we close them down in 1990? I know we had a bloody good go. It was the town, I think, rather than the club. Well, we should have finished what we started. <laughs> We can do it to Ipswich this year, maybe. Yeah, that's one thing to look forward to. That does bode well, doesn't it? As I said a couple of podcasts ago, bottom club, already relegated pretty much, season over, bank holiday weekend. There's going to be loads of spare tickets in the home end as well, because their fans aren't going to want to really turn up on the last day to watch us get promoted. But you see, the reason why the Bournemouth match, bank holiday by the coast, last day, uh, all that stuff turned into such a a riot was because of uh, incompetence at management level at the Football League where despite Leeds United and the police and everybody with the vested interest saying look it's a really bad idea to hold this particular match then the Football League just wouldn't have it and just went ahead and uh, really the, the management of the EFL I have greater confidence in them that all the security measures necessary to make sure that that game goes off peacefully and without a hitch will be in place as an example, you only have to look at the last time we played a vital match against Ipswich at the end of the season at, at Elland Road in 2007. Again, another game that was smoothly run, all thanks to the uh, the people in charge of the club at that time. I think it was uh, uh, Sean Harvey was our chief executive then. Mm. I don't know what, what he's up to now, but I'm sure if he was involved at the EFL still, he would also ensure a smooth running final game of the season against Ipswich with... Uh, Hopefully, if a bottle does fly, it hits him on the head. I'm going to go for the headline, Riot in the Fens. Any other nominees for this, the Villainy Award? Daniel James. Oh, our DJ, little DJ. Well, he's not yet, and that's the point. He's not supposed to be trying. I've seen these clips of him on every fucking football Twitter account going, going, look at how fast the new Mbappé is. Surely Barcelona are going to buy him for 50 million. No, we had a deal agreed for a total rising to 10 million after promotion. About 20 quid up front. <laughs> and we don't, we don't need him to be playing well, increasing his value. Or even a just... televised game as well. I mean, it was only on BBC Wales, so it was maybe not, mm. not the most, uh, the highest stage, but Cardiff might come in with, in with a bid. Um, Wrexham <laughs> might fancy a piece of him, I don't know. But yeah, I just don't feel like Daniel James is really entering into the spirits of, uh, of things. He's, he's worn the lead shirts. He's been at the ground. He's done the interviews. He knows what it's like 
And uh, just because Pontus Janssen was straight up bullying him all through the game doesn't mean he should now go and start playing well. Stop it. I did see it reported, though, that the contract negotiations were not going well, oh, which, is, which is hardly surprising. Well, that's a shame, isn't it? That's a shame, that. Yeah. Shame for the lad. So yeah. hopefully that while his value is maybe being pushed up by his performances, the ever-decreasing length of his contract is helping at the other end. I'm imagining those contract negotiations are something along the lines of, uh, here's your new deal, I don't want to stay here. Okay, here's your new deal, yeah, I don't want to stay here. Right, would you like to look at what we're offering? I don't want to stay here. And I, on, and on, on, on. I only want to go to Leeds. I mean, that would help, but he's not uh, He's not showing much intent at the moment. And of course, we've got the perennial podcast favourite, Mr. Sean Harvey. No one else has, has fined the club £200,000 for essentially nothing this week, have they? So he's got to be, well, he's won it, hasn't he? Yes. Yes, he has. We need to get him in, though, because after this, I imagine he's not going to get another job in football, is he? Certainly not one that affects us. But from that misery then, he's our villain. What about a hero, an Andy Hughes hero award for somebody who's uh, brought us a little bit of happiness as Leeds fans? Bit of an obscure one, but um, anyone who's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, many other things will no doubt have followed a, an account at some point. There's been various versions of this as he gets shut down and reopened over the years, but Walmart is the, the We Are Leeds MOT kind of thing. Um, he's uploaded Leeds highlights across various platforms over the years um, and his son put on Twitter this week that he's died which is a shame very sodden wasn't it yeah, yeah. yeah he did agree he's done a very good service over the years I've watched watched many many of his of his videos just thought it was a bit of a shame it was all in the right intentions as well it was all about making it mobile friendly when it was really difficult mm. to watch LUTV highlights and also making it region friendly because people overseas couldn't have difficulty getting seeing the highlights in their uh, their country so that for a start was a a great service. And then when he started um, expanding it to, I mean, I didn't even know that the Football League paper existed. And so he started screenshotting it and putting it on Twitter and Instagram with all the, the columns that anything mentioned Leeds. So that, and then fulfilling like if people said, oh, could you find this bit of a game? And within a few hours, it's like, yep, right there. I mean, obviously it's going to be more difficult for the family not knowing what to do without your, your dad or your husband, brother, all the other people that he's important to. But then there's uh, thousands upon thousands of people who've never actually met him. who are probably going, well, what am I actually going to do now if I want to just scroll on Instagram and just see Leeds kicking a ball into a net? It was really handy. Um, I, I wanted have- to see a slow-mo penalty being turned down. <laughs> yeah, all the <laughs> stuff. You do stuff like that. It would be like a second brain almost. You come out of a game and you think, that, I bet that penalty was really controversial. And then you'd look on there and be like, oh, well, there's, there's the clip. I can have a look and I can decide it now. And so it would kind of a unifying force around all the, all the talking points. And uh, yeah, a crying shame. And I think a worthy winner. It seems a little bit remiss to try and go off on a, a jokey tangent after that because there's a serious un- undertone there to the point that somebody's lost, like you say, dad, uncle, brother. So uh, we're sorry for your loss and this will never obviously make up for it, but we doff our cap and uh, salute you with the Andy Hughes Hero Award. Yeah, he deserves it. Thank you for everything that you did. Yeah. Well, come the weekend, we will know what's happened with QPR and West Brom, which could narrow the gap to one point as we take on Bolton. It's all getting a little bit squeaky bomb now, isn't it? It's unusual for so many teams to still be in with a bit of a shout of it. Because I feel like the gap from first to about six, if that was just the same points gap to second, you'd still feel there was, there was a title race on because there's like six teams involved. You don't allow yourself to think of it that way. But we could still drop right out of there. 15th place still calling. Surely we're beating Bolton though, aren't we? Surely we're beating Bolton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got a really poor team. <laughs> Just looking down the squad list. I, I was thinking it was it was like a champ manager game where you've signed some some young players on it who at the start of a game will have been good. And it's been allowed to run like David Wheater and Anik and Amiobi and Clayton Donaldson and people like that. Lloyd Dyer. These are players you'd have signed, but then it's somehow 10 years later and they're all at Bolton. That's been their policy since the Premier League, though, hasn't it? What, Yuri Djokiev, after, after he was good, who else did they sign? What was his guy from Real Madrid with the... Campo. Ivan Campo, after he was good. Um, Bob Taylor. After he was good. I was going to say, actually, Lloyd Dyer, that name rings a bell. You know, we were trying to remember a few podcasts ago who the players were that GFH were trying to tout at us oh. for our approval via DMs on Twitter. If you haven't heard this, it's worth going back and listening to it a few podcasts ago. Salim Patel was messaging us running transfer targets by us. One of, one of them was Lloyd Dyer when he was at Leicester. Yeah, very quick. He was very much the Dan James of his day. <laughs> and look at him now playing with Luke Murphy, one of uh, GFH's other high points. Will, did we sign Will Buckley under GFH as well? We had him on loan at one point. I think it might have been after 
it's very difficult to to place Will Buckley in our history. Was he a Gary Monk one? I can't remember. He was rubbish. It's all yeah. I can remember. Actually, he might now. A, he's he's giving off Steve Evans alarm bells. I think it was <laughs> Chilino era, and I think it might have been we signed him, and he was sort of an alternative to Bataka when Steve Evans had binned him off for absolutely no reason. Remember when Scott Wharton scored that own goal against Watford in the FA Cup, and because Bataka had come on for the last two minutes, Steve Evans decided he was the scapegoat for the entire game. I think that's when Will Buckley you need to appeared. Let, you need to let Bataka go. Uh, but Acker is uh, blessed by God. I think he's probably going to end up at Stoke soon or Preston, whichever one is holding the, the religious rod this week, <laughs> whatever it's called. Do you know what that game you just referred to then? I've got no recollection of this. I think I've just sort of uh, like PTSD kind of blocked it all out, all the shit. Now things are so glorious and so good. I've just forgotten about all the crap that's gone before. Scott Wooden's own goal past uh, Marco Silvestri. It was one of his absolutely, his most egregious own goals as well. There was just no reason for him to do that whatsoever. And I was just, I was about to try and find, but it'll take too long. I did a, this was back in the days when I used to distract myself um, after a Leeds game by finding a photo in this instance of Scott Wooden with his hands uh, going to his head even before Sylvester had hit the floor and then turned it into like an anime picture. So that was, uh, I remember I placed the sparse crowd in the Watford stands uh, with cats um, and then lots of <laughs> stars spinning around his head, little little birds, things like this, putting a nice uh, filter, I could, uh, sort of a pink sheen over everything and then putting that out into the world because um, the unreality of cats observing <laughs> an anime Leeds United was much, much preferable to... Uh, if Sean Harvey's a slug, what's Steve Evans? His dad... Let's move back onto this game, the Trotters. Uh, I've got nothing to say about Bolton because I'm fucking bored with them. This is like the 10th time that we've played them this season. <laughs> They're shit. They're bottom of the league. They don't even have any They're of They're not the bottom f- of the league. <sighs> Second I mean, bottom. Exactly. Who is bottom? I'll tell you what they are, though. The most boring. They've only scored 21 goals see, this, this season. Is it. They've got none of the fun players anymore. There's no JJ Okocha. There's no Scott Sellers. So I don't even know why I'm being forced to watch them again. <laughs> Can't we just do what QPR did to us last week and just go like, oh no, we've got another game and lie because they didn't have another game. They played it on the Friday and they could have definitely played us on the Saturday. So just not bother. Bolton can turn up at Elland Road on Saturday at three o'clock and we'll just be shut. I wouldn't have a problem with that. <laughs> Take that to the EFL. Sure, now he's only got a few weeks before he has to go. Give him that to fucking sort out. What do you make of that, you prick? <laughs> hey, Michael, we're going to beat him, aren't we? You'd hope so. We really do need to beat them, though. Let's not let's not mess around. Let's just do them four nil and make it nice and, so, nice and straightforward. I'd like this to be the big tanking one that we do. If uh, who beat them four nil at the weekend? Which one of these cursed rivals of ours had the temerity to beat the mighty Bolton? I've forgotten which one it was. The Fucking Canaries. The Canaries being the Trotters. If a Canary can beat a Trotter, no, what is it? A pig? We're, we're the Peacocks. Peacocks are stronger than Canaries. We've got the big fucking fan tails. We'll be fine. If it comes down to animals, we win. If it comes down to animals, we'll just play Berardi. This is how little I care about Bolton. I don't care. Just re- replace Leeds United with a team of animals. We'll get some of those cats from the Watford crowd. They can play. <laughs> Put Lucas in goal. You need help, my friend. Middlesbrough QPR on Saturday. Norwich, Bristol City. That'll be a tough one because Bristol City are in form. And then the big one, uh, West Brom against Sheffield United. They can't both win. Can't they? I don't think that's in the good faith stipulations. Okay. That. Well, we'll see. We're going to beat Bolton. We've got to. Yeah. And Bristol City will be uh, Norwich and this will be the weekend when Bristol City become the team that are going to beat us to automatic promotion <laughs> instead of Norwich. We'll end up playing Norwich in the uh, probably in the playoffs. There is one interesting thing about Bolton that I forgot to mention in that. I looked at their desperately trying to find some kind of talking point or glimmer of hope in their whole cursed football club. And the, it was there written in their top scorer in 2013-14 you can each have one guess. Dan, who do you think was their top scorer? Own goals. Michael, any bid? Freddie Bobich will have been at, <laughs> at least 50 by that point. Surprised you're not going for Kevin Davies. Jermaine Beckford scored nine goals for uh, them in 2013. Was that alone? Or was he there permanently? It must have been alone, I think. He deserved better than that, did Jermaine? Little side note, they're going for the Ryder Cup in uh, Bolton in 2026. I think at the moment the plan involves just, just like a bit of landfill or something and they're going, yeah, we'll build it here. <laughs> Your letters. Most of Bolton, isn't it? Harsh. Harsh on the good people of Bolton. 
There aren't any good people no, involved right, in this. Yeah. What are we talking about? Well, then I think that just about wraps it up. Having trashed um, an entire town in Bolton, an entire human in Sean Harvey. And- Not a human. Not a human. And our promotion hopes is what I was going to say. That that brings it to a close. Where else can we go from that besides another week closer to the end of this torturous, fun, joyful season? How is it feeling for you now? It's stressful. I'm not in Moscow's zone that he's managed to get himself into where he's watching the ball being peppered towards our goal in the 88th minute, just being calm about it. I'm still in absolute bliss, willfully ignoring the disaster that's impending. The Square Ball Podcast. 